Our pleasure. Hard to believe we are at the eighth principle. Torah min hashemayim, Torah from heaven. This is jam packed. We spoke about nevuah as being jam packed. We were able to cover a big chunk of it in two classes. Torah min hashemayim will take us at least four, at least four. Um, the amount of gems that are in this is really incredible. So I'm going to pass around this copy, copy of these. It is, it's not, I'm recording on the, uh, on the iPad. So I'm actually going to bring you back to school for a second, and I'm going to give you guys a, are my esteemed colleagues here, a little uh, a pen, a way of marking something down. Because if you look at the text of the Ramam, you'll see if we're trying to determine the points to focus on, there are a lot of them. And so I'm going to give you guys a pen, I give everyone a pen if you want to just underline individual points, and you'll see that there are a bunch of individual points that'll just jump out at you. So you can take the the Yigdal. Um, one aspect. Shemini, you thought you escaped from yeshiva, but you're not. You can't escape. And I'm going to do the exercise with you. You want to underline what? Underline independent points. In other words, there are a few separate points here. Multiple points. You think normally a principle is one thing. Try to see if there are separate points that you notice that seem distinct one from another. Okay. See a lot of I see a lot of underlines being made, which is good, because you see how many different points are, are packed in here. Okay, you may not have finished, but let's just uh, I don't want to make it too much like school. Anyone have any points that that that, that jump out to them? Any points that they thought, wow, this is a a point that. The Ramam is trying to make here. Moshe was the uh, Okay. They call him a slayer, they call him a messenger. It's a lot of different words for you. They call him an engraver here. Okay. Scribe. So Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu. He was the agent by which Hashem communicated with us. For Beautiful. The most part. Great. Okay. Any other points? Uh, that the Torah is perfect. <coughs> 
Okay. Okay, so it's like the praise of the Torah. The Torah is perfect, pure, holy, and true. Great. And it's this one identical that was given to Moshe. Ah, okay. So another thing is the fact that, you know, we could call this the trustworthiness of the Jewish tradition. Right? That's another point. So I had five different points, and some of them have already been mentioned. The entire Torah is for Moshe, everything. Every single thing, every single word, every single letter. Point number one. I would argue that just a little bit. I think yeah. It might sound like a, uh, yeah. Yeah. The last eight. Ooh, we're gonna talk about that. Okay, good. The Gemara, the Gemara Baba Basu is gonna talk about that. Great, beautiful. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about that because the Gemara gives two opinions about that. Some of them said Moshe wrote it before it happened in in in, in, in tears, but the Gemara talks about that. Good. So, one of them is that Hashem wrote everything. It's Hashem through Moshe Rabbeinu. Number two, he talks about the fact that there's no difference in the level of sanctity between each letter, one letter and another letter. Right? He talks about there is no difference between the sons of Ham or Cush and Mitzrayim and I am the Lord your God and here and here Yisrael. Right? So he talks about the equivalency. Right, the fact that in value, all different parts of the Torah are of equal value in level of holiness. Number three, what happens if you see a part of Torah that you don't understand that we can't appreciate? The Rambam says there are secrets of the Torah hidden within the Torah and things which you wouldn't really realize what exactly does Hashem want with this? What's going on over here? And the final part, the round discusses, is he discusses the Torah Shabal Peh, the accepted understanding of the Torah at the very end. Pirish HaTorah HaMakobol, he writes, he, he writes, the explanation of the Torah which is received, accepted, received from generation to the generation also comes from Hashem. This is massive. And in the Animamen, talks about the trustworthiness of the Maseret. This is a huge amount of info. You can spend a year on this Iker. There are entire books written on this. And so let's just get our teeth, let's let, let sink our teeth into a little bit of it. The first thing that I want to talk about is what Dr. Rosenberg brought up, is the idea of Moshe Rabbeinu as an agent, because it really flows very smoothly from the previous Iker. The previous Iker talked about Nevuas Moshe Rabbeinu, the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu that was beyond the level of any other prophet. The Ramam writes, Moshe Rabbeinu was on the level of a scribe that you read to him, and he writes it. Divrei Yameha, just the different stories in the history, Vesipurah, the stories of the Torah, Umitzvoseha, and the mitzvahs of the Torah, and that's why Moshe Rabbeinu is called the engraver. Now, what does it mean that Moshe Rabbeinu is a scribe? Anyone have any feeling of what that means? How is he any different than any other prophet? Well, he worked out what Hashem says. And how, so how is it different than a prophet? A prophet supposedly doesn't have direct connection at Shethus to, to the Kodesh Baruch Hu. He has some sort of dream or some sort of, I don't know, whatever you call it. Okay. Acceptance. Moshe would talk to him, basically, 
Beautiful. So, Rivera Kamenetsky explains as follows. When you, the Gemara and Sanhedrin tells us that each prophet had their own way of giving prophecy. There's even a term in English called a Jeremiad. A Jeremiad, which basically is a way of saying, going off on somebody in a very intense way. Because the prophet Yermia gave a lot of very strong musr. His, his directives were given in a very, in a very strong way. The two, two prophets do not prophesy in the same style. Rekhamnesky explains, when it came to Moshe Rabbeinu, there's no such thing as style. Hashem said, Bez, Moshe Rabbeinu wrote Bez, Reish, Aleph, Shin Yitzhak, Reishas. There is no style. Every letter of the Torah is dictated by Hashem to Moshe Rabbeinu himself. Okay, so, yes, that's an interesting question when it comes to that kind of subtlety. Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to write Vayikar instead of Vayikra. So that's a, that's a, good, that, that, that's a good question. What? Okay, so we're going to talk about that also. We're going to talk about that. Excellent. When we talk, we're going to talk. We have a whole share about the how the transmission process worked and the scribal errors. We're, we're going to talk about that in session. So when it, come, when it came to a prophet, Hashem gave a prophet a specific idea. There was a concept that he was supposed to focus on. And he was supposed to convey that concept to the Jewish people. Now the concept that was conveyed was conveyed in his own words. Because Hashem said, give over this idea. The Navi, based on who he was, based on his midos, based on his personality, he can either give them a Jeremiah, as it says, he can give them strong musr, or he can give them words of chizak, or so on and so forth. And every Navi, based on who they were, would do that. Well, when it comes to Moshe Rabbeinu, there is no person involved. Like we said before, Moshe Rabbeinu is like a mala. Moshe Rabbeinu is a conduit for the literal word of Hashem. So this is beyond what we spoke about in the previous Iker. In the previous Iker, we talked about Moshe Rabbeinu as having a clarity of vision that other prophets didn't have. But this is more than that. This is the exact letter Letter by letter by letter is given to Moshe Rabbeinu. Incredible thing, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky points out. There's a halacha in, in Shulchan Aruch that, it's, that is described as Shnayim Mikra Ve'echa Targum. Reading over the Torah twice, the weekly portion of the Torah twice, and with one commentary traditionally understood as the commentary of Unkelos. Rabbi Yaakov says, why do you have to read it twice? and then translate it. Why don't I just read it once and translate it? I need to read it. I need to understand it. I need to read it. I need to understand it. So let me read it once. Let me translate it once. What's this whole second part doing? Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky says an incredible thing. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky says, the first time that you read has value even if you don't have a clue what you're saying. You know why? Because you're reading Hashem's letters. They're Hashem's letters. Just the reading of those letters is special. 
even if a person has a difficult time trying to keep up with Shnaya Mikra, just do your best to read along with the Chazan. Shmuel Yitzchak was, was very fast, has moved on. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a slower Valkyrie, right? But trying to find a way that just to read the words, the words themselves are powerful. When it comes to Navi, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky says, if you don't understand what you're saying, you're missing out. Because the point of the Navi is the idea. The words are not exactly as significant. When it comes to Torah, hold on a second, when it comes to Torah, the words themselves have the sanctity. Yeah. They also have Kedusha. They do have Kedusha when you, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky says, when you understand them. If you don't understand them, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky says, it doesn't count. The Ramchal argues, and many commentaries argue, argue as we're going to see. But the point is, whether or not it does have a level of Talmud Torah or not, at a baseline level, we hear the difference between the literal letters of Hashem and the idea that Hashem said that was conveyed through the prism of a particular person. You hear that? Ah, so we're going to... Ah, okay, good. So, fascinating Gemara. Almost disturbing. If you look at the Gemara in Gittin, the Gemara in Gittin says, let's imagine you would have a Sefer Torah that was written by a heretic. A heretic wrote a Sefer Torah. So it might sound strange, but I'll tell you something amazing. There was a person who went through old Sefer Torah in Europe, and he saw, he was an, an expert of predicting which Sefer Torah was written by a heretic. And they said, how can you figure it out? How, how would you know that? He said, because when it came to the Shem Hashem, when someone wrote Yudkei Vavkei, every sofer in the world is a little bit scared. And every sofer, when they're writing the Shem Yudkei Vavkei, their hand is trembling a little bit, and you can see it's not perfect. But the person, the people who are heretics, he said, when they were writing it, they weren't nervous. So he said, that's how I could tell. Dalacha is Sefer Torah Shekasvei Min Yisaref. A Sefer Torah that's written by a heretic, you should burn it. Can you imagine that? It looks exactly like the same Sefer Torah. But the question is, if you're telling me that the Torah's Kedusha is because it's the words of Hashem, it's the words of Hashem. He's taking a Sefer Torah. It looks exactly the same. The exact same concept. And he's throwing it in a fire. Like, that's what the Nazis did. Another thing. Is that, is that retroactively applied? What do you mean? He's a sadic when he writes it and then he becomes a No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. I think once he wrote, well, once he wrote it, he's okay. That's a fascinating question. Another example we have in last week's parsha. There's a phrase min hakatsa el hakatsa. From one extreme to the other extreme is how that's that phrase is used in modern Hebrew. Let's imagine a person is reading a secular newspaper, Israeli secular newspaper, and it's talking about some lashon hara. And they use the expression, min ha-katza el ha-katza. Those are words directly from the Torah. Israeli slang, min ha-katza, from one end, el ha-katza to the other end. That's a quote from a Pasuk. So do you have to treat that Israeli newspaper as shamus, as holy, because it quotes... Interesting question, right? Yeah. Okay. But why? But it's the words, good, but it's the words of the Torah. So clearly, in addition to the actual material, the holiness of the material that's being conveyed, the person needs to have a certain sense of knowledge that what I am writing is Torah. I might not understand it, but what I know that what I'm reading is Torah. 
So I was wondering, when I was researching this, you have, you know, bar mitzvah boys who are practicing in shul. And they're going it over again and again and again and again and again. The bar mitzvah bachur is practicing again and again and again and again. Does he have any thought in his mind that he's learning? Or even that what he's doing is... Tar it's almost like he's preparing for a performance. Yes, he, he is. is. He is. He is. So the question is, when a bar mitzvah bachur is practicing his pressure over and over and over again, do you get schar? Do you get a mitzvah of Talmud Torah for going it over and over and over again? Interesting question. Unclear. You're asking, do you or saying that you I'm do? I'm wondering. I'm wondering. It's unclear to me. He's almost unaware that what he's reading is Torah. It's the same thing as the shmuel. If, you have, if, you're, if, you're, what is it, if you're writing a sefer Torah and you, come and, you, and you hit the shema or, you think, or you're doing shenai mikro v'yachatargum, you read the shema, and as long as you have kavana for it, then you're yoti the okay. shema. So like, if I think if you, I think if he doesn't know kavana that he's doing it, then I don't know if it would necessarily apply. Okay. So maybe just he... So... Seemingly, what's coming out from this conversation is that it's not just the information. A person needs to have a baseline awareness that the information that I'm reading, the information is itself Torah. I need to have that baseline, that baseline knowledge. What? Okay. So what? What is so? What does lishma mean? In other, what, what, do you, what do you mean by lishma? Do you mean in order for the purpose of fulfilling a mitzvah? Is that what you mean? Well, to, to understand what you're saying and to establish that it's a mitzvah just to read Torah. That's right. So having kavana. Okay. Good. Okay. Okay. Great. So. What's coming, what Rabbi Kamenetsky is saying, and everyone agrees when it comes to Chumash, if a person has awareness that what they are doing is reading the words of Hashem, they get, they get the mitzvah of learning even without comprehension. The Ramchal adds that the same thing applies, the same thing applies to a Navi. The Ramchal seems to disagree with the reaction, what, what, what Rabbi Kamenetsky is saying. And the Svarim explain that it's one thing that when Hashem gives a prophecy to a Navi to say to the Jewish people, but when a prophecy is given to be written down and it makes it in the Torah and the Gemara quotes from a Navi all the time, the Gemara quotes from the VM all the time and makes drushas almost from Navi, depending on how the drusha works. So clearly the actual words themselves have power and Hashem can almost, it might not be with the same clarity as Moshe Rabbeinu, but if you think about all the Jewish women, all of our babis and zabis, who read Tehillim, how many of them really understood what they were saying? But I have no question that there was tremendous power because David HaMelech infused his soul into the Tehillim. David HaMelech infused everything, his whole essence into the Tehillim. So even though every Navi had his own style, but his neshama was infused, Dr. Amchal, into the words, and the words themselves become holy. Yeah. Why did you need to read twice? Ah, so because the first time you read Shnayim Mikra, thank you. The first time you read Shnayim Mikra, it's just for the purpose of Kriya. It's just for the purpose of reading, even without understanding. The second time that you learn, you read in order to understand what you're doing. So you read it the first time without understanding, and it's still special. The second time that you do it, now let's learn it up. Let's read it and let's well, look to it. Let's understand really it. Second time could be the same as the first. The same. It could be, but you. But that's where the targum comes in. The targum is coming to help lend a depth of understanding to that. So the nefesh Chaim 
quotes from a mysterious Kabbalah Sefer called the Magid Misharim. Magid Misharim was written by Rav Yosef Karo. Rav Yosef Karo had a heavenly being that communicated to him and was called the Magid, the one who speaks over. And the Magid told the base Yosef, meaning and this angelic being told the base Yosef, be very careful when you're davening. Try not to think about anything besides for the actual words of davening. Why? So the Nefesh HaChaim, Rechaim Velazhner explains, so this is going back to Lithuania in 1700s, late 1700s, early 1800s. He's, he explains that the words of the tefillah of our Shemona Esrei are so deep that the kavanas of the Arizal, who he calls the godly Ish Elikim, the man of God, Noira, the awesome person, the Arizal, he made amazing kavanas in davening. But he says, all of the kavanas of the Arizal, <coughs> it's not even a drop in the ocean relative to the depth of kavana that the Anshe Knesset Hagadola had when they made that, when they made the words of the Tvila. There's not a person who exists who is able to create such a wondrous tefillah. The words that we say are misaking, they correct, they elevate the entire world, all the different aspects of the universe. Every time that we daven, it creates new tikkunim. It's impossible for such words to be written if not for the fact that they themselves were the last neviim. Anshe Knesset were the last prophets. And when they wrote the tefillah, he says as follows, some who elu Hashem Himself put the words of davening into the words into the mouth of the Anshei Extraordinary, the exact same madrig of Moshe Rabbeinu the Nefesh Chaim says, in our Shmona Esrei, which would come out if Rav Kamnetsi explains that if the words themselves have kedusha, then saying them, even without understanding is still very powerful. The same thing applies to our Shemona Esrei. What a comfort this is. It's so hard to have Kavana during Shemona Esrei. But these words are given as prophecy from HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the Anshik Nesach These are Hashem's words. And when we say the words of Tefillah, we create incredible tikkunim in the world. Anyone ever see the Declaration of Independence in Washington, D.C.? Anyone get when I saw it, I got chills. Did anyone ever get chills saying it? Why do you think you got chills? I'm out of curiosity. What was moving about it? What do you think? Well, certainly the ideas, but also the, I'm seeing the document that was actually written by the hands of the men that composed it. Okay. So there's two things. There's obviously the content, exactly like the doctor said. You have the content. Wow, this is what made the nation of the United States of America. But the second thing is like, gosh, there's John Hancock. And there's John Adams and Patrick Henry. I don't know if I'm getting the names wrong, but, but there's the, George Washington. But, but they actually signed that. They yeah. actually signed it. Like, there's the scratch marks that he made with his ink. Like, he did it. It's right there. So it's not just what the document represents. We're also thinking about the people who signed on that document. When a person sees the Mona Lisa, this is like Leonardo da Vinci, like Lahavdo. Well, we'll see what the not will have to do that. But Leonardo da Vinci made the Mona Lisa. There's there's like a, a stick Leonardo da Vinci in there. There's like a little piece of Leonardo da Vinci that made it into the Mona Lisa. 
Lahavdol, very big nowadays, are auctioning off Jewish memorabilia and Sfarim that some, you may see the catalogs lying around. Of, he's, got some, he's got some stuff. He got some stuff? Yeah. So I saw, I just looked online randomly um, to just see for, to, in, in my preparation for the shear. They were auctioning off a Gemara and Sukkah. It was a Gemara Sukkah owned by the Hassam Soifer with his own handwritten notes in it. The starting price was $100,000. <laughs> They estimated it would be 150 to 200. It sold for 248,000. It's crazy. Now, if you would ask me as a Kalta Litvak, if you would ask me whether it would be better to use those 248,000 dollars to help widows and orphans, that's a separate, a separate story. But the point is, the person who buys that safer can say, "Gosh, there's some ciphers in this gemara. I can see there's some cipher here." Rukiva Eger is Yeshua and BMG and like well, they they have that. It's like amazing. The person who wrote it lives in what he wrote. It's connection to the beyond. And that's what is, happens in our Shemunah Esrei. The words of Shemunah Esrei, as the Nevesh Chaim said, are Hashem's words that are living on. Lahavdol, it's our Mona Lisa. Right? The words of the Chumash are every single letter is Hashem's letters. Daving Shemunah Esrei, even without Kavanah. The soul of David HaMelech is infused into every word of Tehillim. The highest madrega, Termina Shemayim, which is the Iker that we're talking about tonight, is Hashem himself in each letter. I want to leave off with a bit of a teaser. That's already one little idea, just to get our feet wet in the sugya of, of Termina Shemayim. I want to leave off with a bit of a teaser. There's an expression, Aniyam B'makim Echad, poor in one place, Va'ashirim B'makim Acher, and rich in other places. Sometimes the Torah will be very, very sparse on the amount of words it used to describe something that happens. The whole Mesechus Gitin and Kedushin is a few psukim. Kika Kachisha, Vyatsa Vahaisa. What? Right, Mesechus Marcus of Edom Zaymimen is very, very few psukim. These parashites that we're learning right now, right, Truma, Tetzaveh, Vayakal, Pekude, gigantic. And what's making even more shocking, it's not even Lodiris. The mitzvah of the Mishkan does not apply forever. The Beis HaMikdash would take its place. Now, the dimensions of the Kalim, most of the Kalim were the same, except for the Adar Mizbeach. The Adar Mizbeach was not in the Beis HaMikdash, was not filled with earth in the Beis HaMikdash. But most of the other Kalim were identical. But still, four parshies, hundreds of psukim for, th for something which didn't really last. What's going on? Why is that? Another thing, another aspect of the Torah which is mysterious. You find mysterious stories, phrases which don't seem to really matter so much. The Alufi Esav, who remembers that? The chieftains of Esav, right? I forget which parish that's in. The parish is in the end of in the end of Vayetze, right? A whole long list. The, the stories in Parshas Chukas of the stories of Moab and Midian and who is conquering whose nation, what's going on? What's the point of that? If this is the Dvar Hashem, it's obviously clearly significant. We'll find out next week. Oh, teaser. Okay.